Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Applegate, the natural and organic meat brand. We've featured hundreds of world-class doctors on MindBuddyGreen, and they all agree that if you're going to eat meat, it's incredibly important to make sure it's high quality. Applegate products are sourced from humanely raised animals that were never given antibiotics and are made without any artificial ingredients, including chemical nitrates. Now they've partnered with Whole30 to offer a selection of products that are Whole30 approved, such as no sugar bacon and a variety of dinner sausages, which are the perfect base for a quick and easy dinner on busy days, i.e. every day for me. I'll just throw them in a pan with some avocado or coconut oil and a ton of leafy greens and a dinner's done in less than five minutes. Clean meat is really the only choice when it comes to our bodies and our environment, and Applegate is the brand I trust most to deliver wholesome products with high-quality ingredients. If you want to check out our full list of their sugar-free Whole30-approved offerings, head over to applegate.com Whole30. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions, any dream guests, We are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. Dr. Mark Hyman is a man who needs no introduction. He is a 10-time number one New York Times bestselling author, the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, the founder and medical director of the Ultra Wellness Center, and chairman of the board of the Institute for Functional Medicine. He is also a member of the Mind Buddy Green Collective and a dear friend and family member of Mind Buddy Green. He also has an amazing new book out, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? Mark, welcome. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on what will be most likely by the time people, uh, or maybe the day after, your 11th New York Times bestseller, Food. Food. What the heck should we <laughs> eat? Is that a good title or what? I think it's good. There's a better title, but uh, uh, I wasn't allowed to use let it. Me, it was, let it me guess. This, this is not the Today Show, so I'm going to take a wild guess. <laughs> food, what the fuck should I eat? Is Pretty prob- much is the question most people <laughs> ask themselves. Yeah, which is why I wrote the book, because everybody's so darn confused. One day, coconut oil is the best thing since sliced bread, and the next thing, it's going to kill you. So one day, eggs are bad and then they're good and one day whole milk's bad and then it's good so people are super confused and and there's a lot of reasons for that right so we have conflicting media headlines we have confusing science that people don't Mm -hmm. know how to interpret even the media doesn't we have industry funded 
science, which is basically corrupt. We have dietary guidelines that don't reflect science and actually reflect industry influence. And the National Academy of Sciences recently came out and called them out and said, no, you guys are corrupt. Basically, the <laughs> guidelines are, are not right. You don't need three glasses of milk a day. And by the way, the research on saturated fats, you guys completely ignored. So there's a lot of weird stuff that went on in the, in the, in the, in the science that gets us all confused. So we've got all these competing things, and we're all sort of just like, what the heck should we eat? Because you got competing views like you know at my vitalize i was yep. on a panel where i came up with this whole idea with you vegan. which was you know one guy sitting next to me going hey you know we should be vegan and the guy was like paleo. Who that guy was yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they're like fighting and i'm like hey guys you know if you're paleo and you're vegan i must be pegan and then i you know kind of thought about it i'm like wow that actually does make sense it's like a common ground what is the common ground that we all can agree on there's so many competing wars but most of the stuff about healthy nutrition we know uh, and we have great science, and we can make good conclusions. And nobody's going to disagree with the main principles. So what are those main principles? Well, the first is um, we want to eat foods that are real food. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, you know, a science project, probably not, right? <laughs> you know, and, and the second thing is uh, we want to eat foods that are very low glycemic. We know now extensive research is showing that low-sugar starch diets don't cause the body to produce insulin, which is the driver of most chronic disease, heart attacks, bad cholesterol, diabetes, cancer, dementia, depression, you name it, is driven by this process called insulin resistance or prediabetes. But there's a huge continuum of it that all causes a problem. And, and we now know um, that that is a really key principle. We should not be eating a ton of starch and sugar. Mm -hmm. That's key. The second is, the third principle is that we should be eating good fats, uh, avocados, olive oil, nuts and seeds. There's debatable areas, right? Should we be eating saturated fat like coconut oil, grass-fed yeah, butter? We're going to come ghee. back to coconut oil. Yeah, and we'll come and back butter. to saturated fat. But you know, the, I think those are okay as part of a healthy diet. Traditional fats. You know, I did a show with Dr. Oz this week on tallow and lard and duck fat. You know, mm -hmm. which are traditional fats that have been used for thousands, of millennia, or millions of years probably. And, and so the other principles are don't eat anything that you wouldn't have in your cupboard, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if you don't have butylated hydroxytoluene to add on your vegetables, you probably don't what want to that? I don't even know what that is. What is BHT, that? it's a common preservative. When you say BHT on the label? No good. Not good. But that's just one. There's 3,000 sure. additives, Sure. right? Uh, you know, and you know Twinkies have 37 ingredients, only one of which is food, banana puree. Everything, and it's way at the bottom. <laughs> banana puree is debatable. And, right, <laughs> it's way at the bottom, right? Do you make banana puree? I don't, but I can make mush. <laughs> bananas sometimes okay ice, banana ice cream is great you put it in the blender when it's frozen nice ripe bananas i like that yeah it's good so if we had to go down the line so i'm just going to go from category to yeah category. we'll cover all this so, yeah. so veggies veggies are the most important thing you need yeah. to make part of your diet probably 50 to 75 percent of your plate should be rainbow colored veggies and ideally limited amounts of starchy veggies not big potatoes sweet potatoes are okay winter squash is okay but those aren't unlimited but you can eat 50 pounds of broccoli if you want. Good luck with that. But you know, um, that's really a, a central piece is eating a wide variety. We eat 800 species of plant foods as hunter-gatherers. We eat a few. In fact, the top vegetables in America are potatoes in the form of french fries, <laughs> tomatoes in the form of ketchup or pizza sauce, uh, corn, sweet corn, which is not so bad. Onions are not so bad, and then iceberg lettuce. So those so is are. Is this like driven by McDonald's? It's like the makeup of a. You know, that's I never thought of that, but you're right. You know, <laughs> to all be patties, Fast lettuce food. sauce, pickles, yeah, <laughs> whatever, yeah. ketchup. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so those are those are problematics, and uh, and then we have to be smart about whether they're organic or not because sure. they're a huge load of pesticides. And I'm on the Environmental Working Group's board, and we have a clean 15 and dirty dozen list. And there's even a more expanded list. That, you know, can look at you know the top 20. You probably shouldn't eat if they're not organic, and the bottom 20 you could probably safely eat if they're not organic. Sure. And and so those those are really simple principles. So lots of veggies, and then that, 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 if that's 50 to 75%, that's a huge place to start where most people aren't starting. Well, your plate, yeah, because by, by volume, right? But there's very yep. few calories, right? In order to get 750 calories, a big gulp does that, yeah. or you need 21 crops of broccoli. Wow. <laughs> so you're not going to eat 21, but you could, last night, my son made this amazing dinner. We launched the book. I called it a vegan dinner. He had basically, I don't know, five or six vegetable dishes. We had a big salad, tomatoes, and broccoli sprouts, and cucumbers, and avocados. We had a uh, pureed uh, sweet potatoes with truffle oil, mashed Ooh. cauliflower with uh, portobello mushrooms blended in. Uh, we had uh, broccolini with some special sauce. I don't know what he made, sesame wow. seeds. So those were all the vegetable dishes, and uh, I think there was even more. And then he had grass-fed ribeye, mm-hmm. uh, all grass-finished, and some wild salmon, and sliced thinly on top. Not as the main dish, but as a right. condiment. It's a couple ounces. Yeah, it's an accessory. It's not like a. It's not like you go to a steakhouse and get a twenty-four, forty-eight no, ounce no. ribeye. It's like so people have a few strips. Ounces. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that was like a vegan diet, and most of my plate was a huge amount of vegetables. In fact, it was so heavy with vegetables, I had a paper plate, and the, it was like a plasticky paper plate, and the plate cracked and like fell, <laughs> everything fell on the floor. <laughs> so, what, when are you launching the father and son meal delivery service, the yeah. vegan meal delivery service? Well, <laughs> he's got this project called the Health Warrior Project, and he runs events in New York City where he hosts wellness parties, he cooks for them. And it's just, it's amazing. We did that last night, it was just really fantastic. That's awesome. I'm in for the next one. So vegetables all good. I want to segue to fruits. Yeah. So we say eat five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables. No, it's it's seven servings of vegetables, probably two servings of fruit. And 70% of Americans are overweight. One in mm-hmm. two have prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. Right? So it's insane. those people are carbohydrate intolerant. So eating a ton of sugary fruit, probably not the best thing. A couple of pieces, fine. And you should eat lower glycemic fruit like berries. And frozen is good because sure. they preserve their nutrients. And frozen berries are actually much better for you than even fresh berries because oh, really? they've been picked and then transported from Mexico or California sure. or wherever, stored for a while. They're often moldy. And you know when you get fresh vegetables or fruit that's frozen, flash frozen right at the site at full ripening, much better. I mean, you can get a tomato from the tomato store or the grocery store, and it's like a cardboard sure. tomato. Whereas you get a canned tomato... And actually, it's ripe and it's rich and it's flavorful because of so how it's they prepare. It. Colleen and I are huge on frozen veggies yeah. and 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 fruits. Yeah. And one of the reasons is we we travel so much. It's yeah. insane, and I can't go to the farmer's market right. and have it for a day. Then it's right. gone. It's food right. waste. We don't want to do sure. that. And right. then f- frozen is also less expensive. Yeah, we less just store expensive. it there at last. Put it in a smoothie. Can, yeah, Amazing. organic frozen vegetables yeah. and fruit. It's great. To, it's it's a great option. So, what are your favorites? Blackberries, blueberries, rasp- blackberries, blueberries, wild blueberries. You can get wild blueberries. Blackberries sure. are very nutrient dense. And what's one we think we're, we're probably eating a little too much of? Fruit. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what people's preference are. But if you eat a ton of pineapple or a ton of grapes or a ton of cherries, they're pretty. You're gonna get a ton of sugar, right? Sure. So I think it's you know it's it's moderation and depending on where you are in the spectrum. For example, if you're a type two diabetic on 100 units of insulin. Probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you were that ketogenic study that was published a couple weeks ago where they looked at a year-long trial, randomized trial, where they found that 100% of type 2 diabetics on a ketogenic diet with just less than 30 grams of carbs, which is not very much fruit, were able to get off 
100% were able to get off the main diabetes medication and 94% were able to lower or get off insulin wow. with the average weight loss of 30 pounds. That's average, which is tremendous, which is like 12.5% of body weight, which is really rare in any weight loss study. So, wow. And this is using you know extremely high-fat, very low-carbohydrate diet. So it's, it's not like that's necessary for everybody, but we have to build resilience in our biology. And when people are that far out in the metabolic spectrum of mm-hmm. disease, they don't have resilience. So you've got to bring them back, and then people can add in more. Sure. So we'll so, so we got veggies, fruits. Let's move on to dairy. Dairy, huh? <laughs> well, uh, nature. Uh, you know, they say uh, you know that, that the milk is nature's perfect food, and I would agree, ex- except only if you're a calf. <laughs> I mean, no human species ever consumed dairy as hunter gatherers. Uh, I don't know. Try to milk a saber toothed tiger. Good luck. <laughs> you know, but I think I think we we have uh, had this huge dairy culture. We have the Dairy Council partnering with the National Dairy Health Promotion Board, which is a government organization that funds the Got Milk studies and a mm-hmm. lot of the promotion of dairy. And you've got dietary guidelines that say we should drink three glasses of milk a day as adults, two as kids. There's no data for that. In fact, there's no data that shows that it's good for your bones. In fact, it may increase factors, it may increase cancer risk. It causes a lot of allergy and gut issues. It causes uh, type two diabetes, type one diabetes, autoimmune diseases. It's not a great food. And the part of the reason is we've hybridized these cows. We have A1 casein, which is very inflammatory versus traditional cows had A2 casein plus A1 mm-hmm. and goat and sheep have mostly A2, which is less inflammatory, less likely to cause gut issues, better tolerated. So I think if people want to have some dairy, you know, I say stay away from feedlot dairy, grass-fed ideally, but yep. not just organic, because organic cows could eat, you know, all kinds sure. of weird stuff. And, and and then the last thing is you want to eat sheep and goat if you can. And there's great goat cheeses, there's great sheep yogurts, there's other kinds of dairy you can get if you want to have some dairy. But I don't think it should be a staple in the diet. Gundry talks about the A1, A2, and I think the southern France and mm-hmm. North and Italy. That getting, yeah. If you're going to do dairy, do it from there. Yeah, I mean, I travel over the world like you do, and uh, you know, you go around the different countries and you see these weird-looking cows. Here, right. all the cows look the same. Right? <laughs> we, we, we homogenize the cows. It's not homogenized milk, but we literally made all the cows the same, and there's like one bull in the sperm that fertilizes most of them. You sure. Know? It's not great. So I, I'm putting this in the dairy family, or, or one could argue it's fat, but... Eggs, butter, oh, butter, butter and ghee, yeah, and, butter, and like yeah. putting in the coffee and all that stuff. So yeah, this is you know this whole saturated fat question is huge, right? If you, 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 you've got the government saying we should not be eating more than ten percent, you've got the American Heart Association saying we should have less than five percent of our calories as saturated fat, and yet breast milk is twenty five percent saturated fat. Wow! And in fact, uh, this is a fat that we've consumed. It's part of our brain. It's part of our nerve structure. It's it's a critical for development. That's why breast milk is a quarter saturated fat by calories. Wow. And and so when we look at the emerging literature, there's seventeen large meta analyses show there's no link between heart disease and saturated fat. And even total fat. And the government removed any restriction on total fat, but they still have this restriction on saturated fat. And the new National Academy of Sciences report, which you can get online, just go Google National Academy of Sciences Dietary Guidelines. It was released in November 2017. And, and they found that they ignored huge swaths of data on saturated fat and just ignored the, the data that it basically exonerates saturated fat. And I don't think it's a health food, right. but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's harmful. And I think if, if there was any signal in the data, it would show up. Sure. And a lot of it was based on a, a bad correlation study that was done, you know, 50 years ago. And the fact that it raises LDL cholesterol and everybody's been focused on LDL because of statins. Sure. But it's not actually the true story. I mean, 75% of people with heart attacks have normal HDL, I mean, normal right. LDL. And, and so um, one study that was really compelling, you might have heard about this, but there was, there was um, 
a researcher named Ansel Keys who came up with sure. this idea that saturated fat was bad, seven country study, and he decided to do a randomized controlled trial to try to prove it. He got money from the NIH. This was in the late 60s. They did a study in a mental institution, which would be legal today because there was no informed consent. They took half of these 9,000 basically mental um, patients and they, another half, uh, and they gave half of them saturated fat and half of them corn oil vegetable oil, essentially. And they watched what happened over many years. They did autopsy studies. They looked at their heart attacks. So what was fascinating was that for every 20, uh, every 30-point drop in LDL cholesterol on the corn oil, the risk of heart attacks went up 22%. Wow. Because the oil is very unstable. It's very right. processed. Saturated fat is very stable. And, and I think um, they didn't publish a study for 40 years because they it contradicted their view. So it just was hidden in the basement of the researcher. There's a great Malcolm Gladwell podcast, revisionist podcast about this, where he, oh, he, really? basi- he basically is like, the guy was the son of the researcher who was a doctor, and he drove 90 miles to go look in the basement, found the records, and gave it to the researchers at the NIH. It was just published like a, about a year and a half ago. And it was the largest randomized control trial ever done on this. And it's the only one we have, because you can't lock people up right. and do this diet with them. So it's, it's pretty... Um, exonerating evidence so i think butter yes not a, not is a ghee better or ghee has no casein or whey in it it so basically it's, removes the milk sure. solids so if you have allergies that's probably better so if i do i love we do that coffee every morning mm-hmm. it's probably better to have ghee than grass-fed butter yeah it's true but i here's what i would say that there's a lot of genetic diversity in terms of how we respond to different fats. So sure. some people don't respond well to saturated fat. And there's a way to test your lipids to find out. Yeah, what are the tab carries about markers? What do you So you know, I'm talking to Dr. Ronald Krauss, who was the guy who came up with the whole idea of like lipid particle size and yep. lipid numbers, a sure. professor in uh, in California. And um, and he said, you know, they're doing genetic testing now to look and stratify people according to how they're going to respond to different types of diets, how they're going to respond to uh, different drugs and so forth. So I think we'll get there. Right now, you can just look at how your lipids respond. So I've had a patient, I put her on like ghee and saturated fat and coconut oil, and her cholesterol came down 100 points, her triglycerides came down 200 points, her HDL went up 30 points, she lost 30 pounds. Like it was, her body loved it. Other people I'll see, I'll try that, and their lipids don't look so great. They get higher LDL, they get more particles. Right, Uh, so So I guess what are the markers you should look, if you go to the doctor and you say, all right, I wanna get the workout, I'm on this diet, what do you do? The main test you would do is is called an NMR lipid profile. You can get it at LabCorp or a Cardio IQ, you can get it at Quest. I like the NMR a little better. And essentially, it looks at not just your total cholesterol, LDL, and HDL. It looks at the size of them. Particle size. Particle size. And it looks at the number of them. Yep. It also looks at the kind of triglycerides you have if they're the small uh, ones or the big ones, which are not so sure. good. So, so you can kind of stratify how you're doing. You do a test before, change your diet, do it for a month or six weeks, retest mm-hmm. and see what happens. So the N of 1 is the best study. Your body is the best doctor in the room. It'll tell you what works and what doesn't every time. If you mm-hmm. lose weight, gain weight, you know, like your body will respond pretty quickly to the inputs. How do you feel? Sure. What do your numbers look like? What does your waistline look like? Sure. So so it's not just the cholesterol number. It's particle size yeah. and number of particles. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, so we're, we're, we're segueing to fat. So like, let's go to the oils, Co- <clears throat> coconut oil. So you, you brought up coconut oil. Yeah. Avocado, lots of oils, good, bad. So I think, you know. MCT oil, coconut. Fat is critical. Yeah. I think, you know, probably 50% of our calories should come from fat. So 50% of our volume of food should come from vegetables. But 
you know, like I said, you know, you got up to 21 cups of broccoli to get 750 calories. You need a few tablespoons of olive oil to get to there, right? Six right. or seven tablespoons. So by volume, it's plants, but by calories, it's fat. And, and it should be good fats. Now, the oils that we can have are things like extra virgin olive oil, cold-pressed avocado oil. Uh, I think some of these saturated fat oils like like ghee or coconut butter or coconut oil are fine. And you look at the data on those uh, and they're fine. And the reason the American Heart Association came out and said, oh, this is bad, coconut is bad, is because it's a saturated fat, raises LDL. Sure. Therefore, it's but bad. they're not looking at particle size they're not and all looking, the other And they're not right. looking at even the population data where countries that consumed 60% of their diet is coconut oil had no Where's heart that? disease. Well, in the South so Is Pacific. that the west side of LA? Is that the <laughs> Maybe. Could it's be. Venice, Venice, Venice. Venice Beach. No. It's actually uh, in the South Pacific. Where, really? Yeah, in the Tokelu Islands and the um, South Pacific Islands. They've studied them and they found no heart disease, no obesity, no diabetes. Their numbers all look good. Very impressive. Wow. Um, and so the uh, those are the good oils. The problem oils are the refined oils. So this is where the literature gets kind of fuzzy. And I did a lot of work on this in my last book, Effect Get Thin, but I talk about it in food, what the heck should I eat, which is that uh, we've increased our consumption of these refined oils a thousandfold in the last hundred and something years. So there was no such thing as soybean oil, which is now 10% of our calories. Wow. They've learned how to extract it with solvents. Uh, with heat and using deodorizers. It's very unstable. It's a polyunsaturated fat, so it, it can be easily oxidized. And, and that creates huge problems in the body. So the oxidative products are called oxlams or oxidated linoleic acid metabolites. There's, um, there's issues around inflammation that get driven when you don't have omega-3s. So when you look at all the population data, and a lot of the conclusions come from these big population studies which don't prove cause and effect, what they did was they found that, that people who consumed omega-3 with omega-6s did fine. If you just looked at omega-6 alone, these refined oils, people didn't do so well. Hmm. There's more heart attack, 37% increase in heart attacks. And so there's a little controversy in the literature and you talk to different experts, you'll hear really different things. But I was getting so confused because people I respect on both sides were giving me completely opposite points of view. But then I really looked at the literature myself and read the studies and looked at how they did them and the methods and the oils they used. And it was pretty convincing to me that we should not, and it's just common sense. Like why would we be consuming a new food, it's 10% of our calories that's refined that we never consumed as human beings in the history of our evolution. It just, it just doesn't make right. common sense, right? If you combine evolutionary biology with good science, you can see that, that this, is really, uh, this is really not a good thing. So I would stay away from safflower oil, corn oil, soybean oil, all these refined oils that are everywhere. And they're in, they're in food. Like, they're in food you don't even know you're eating. Right. Like, so cookies, crackers, chips. Processed process crap. Pro- yeah. 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 So what about nuts and nut butters? Nuts are good. Nut butters are a weakness for Yeah. For nuts don't me. make you fat. Nut butters don't make you fat. Um, if they're full of, you know, like, I went to, as part of the Fed Up movie, I went to this trailer in South Carolina. They had peanut butter. that I was healthy. I looked at the jar. It was like jiffy, I think. And it had high fructose corn syrup and right. hydrogenated fats, lots of salt. This is not a health food. But, but uh, regular nut butters are great. Macadamia butter, almond butter, cashew butter. So I'm glad you brought up peanuts, though. So what if you're just having normal peanut butter where peanuts are literally like the only ingredient? Yeah. Peanut butter is fine from time to time. I think the the challenge is what peanut butter because a lot of peanuts get like organic have peanut. aflatoxin, which is a, a cancer causing agent, How and it's a mold, uh, and and it just depends on on you know because it, it's it's easy to get moldy peanuts. You ever had moldy peanuts at a ball game? You know what I'm talking sure, about. Sure. <laughs> and uh, although I haven't had that in years, but <laughs> um, but you you don't want to be consuming that. And so certain brands, I think Arrowhead Mills, others are very careful about that. But uh, so if it's fresh, if it's organic, it's fine. Maybe. Or, Oh, Maybe you don't know because mold mold can be an organic food, so sure. it's not it's not a toxin that's 
put on there. It's a naturally occurring toxin. Interesting. It comes from just moldy peanuts. <laughs> yeah, I started eating peanuts, so I'm a huge almond butter guy. But yeah. I had a big discussion with Colleen and my wife about this, just the 20 gallons of water. And yeah, the water right. issue we have in California. I was yeah, like, one almond I, is like a gallon and a half of yeah, water. Yeah, whereas I'm like, I don't. I don't yeah, ninety percent like, almonds come from. I mean, that's the thing. You think we're we're hurting the environment by sure. consuming beef, but uh, the water yeah. thing is troubling. Yeah, the whole Actually, other. We should talk about meat because I was I was going to yeah. write a blog called. Um, we'll move on to the next category: meat. <laughs> was it was uh, the, the the title of the blog I'm writing right? Nobody steal this. Um, uh, is is about how to save the environment by eating beef. And people get like interesting title. Yeah, I don't know that exact title, but (laughs) the idea is that that you know we focus on feedlot beef, and the vegan community has really brought this to light. And I think it's important that we should not be factory farming animals. One, the meat is bad for our health. Uh, The uh, way we grow them and and raise them is bad for the animals, and it's terrible for the environment and for climate. Mm -hmm. So, growing huge amounts of soybeans and corn for them using non-organic methods, using tons of glyphosate, destroying soils, all these things are bad. And it turns out that the quality of the meat is very different if you had a wild animal or grass-fed beef than feedlot beef. Uh, It's got more omega-3s, more antioxidants, more minerals, more nutrients, not a lot of the inflammatory compounds, uh, and it actually has positive benefits. I've seen, you know, kangaroo meat, for example, causing uh, reductions in inflammation in blood levels of inflammation markers, whereas, you know, feedlot beef will increase the inflammation markers. So the quality of anything you eat matters, right? Sure. So, uh, but what's fascinating lately is this discovery of regenerative agriculture, mm-hmm. which I, when I was in college back, I'm scared to say 40 years ago, uh, <laughs> it's frightening for me to say that, but anyway, uh, I was studying agriculture and I was fascinated with, you know, the soil and health and how our soil connects to our health and uh, one strive evolution, which was about um, how we should do no-till farming to preserve the soil. So these ideas I was thinking about a long time ago, and now they're coming to the fore, and we're realizing that the soil is the thing we need to be caring for because if we create organic matter in the soil, if we do organic or biological agriculture, we will literally restore massive amounts of organic matter. That sequesters carbon from the mm-hmm. environment. It also holds water. So now we have droughts and runoff and floods because the water can't be held in the soil, and we have enormous shifts in climate, not even from the factory farming animals, just the destruction of the soils by the way we grow food. And 70% of our agricultural lands are used to grow food for animals for human consumption. Let them eat grass. You know? mm-hmm. And we know like there were 60 million buffalo in America 150 years ago. We killed them all, and that led to the Dust Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they weren't causing climate change. But because the soil has methane-fixing bacteria, because it sequesters carbon, they built tens and tens of feet of topsoil across the country. Now we've depleted it all, and that's really preventing the carbon from being sequestered. And then that carbon is going to the environment, goes in the oceans, acidifies the oceans, Mm -hmm. kills the phytoplankton, which produce 50% of our oxygen, and we're all going to suffocate and roast to death (laughs) because of how we're raising food. Even organic food can be damaging the soil through tilling methods that are, you know, high till organic throughput. So it's really more sophisticated thinking about how do we regenerate soil? And, you know, uh, you, you had a mind body, uh, green revitalize, you had Paul Hawken who talked yep. about drawdown was how do we, how do we draw down the carbon in the environment? And the number one solution was food, the food system, yeah. food waste, regenerative agriculture, plant-based diets, all these things are really key strategies and people don't make that connection. They go, it's all fossil fuels. I'm yeah. going to buy a hybrid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw, um, 
Yeah, you could drive a Hummer if you watch what you're eating <laughs> on the regenerative side, and you'd be fine. Um, I, and I mean, I, I, I saw Al Gore's new movie, uh, An Inconvenient sequel, sequel, yeah, and he didn't mention it. I was like, wow, amazing. Wow. It's all about fossil fuels, renewable energy. All that's fine, but this is the central problem of our time, and it's it's not only harming us because of the way the food is produced, and not not only that, the way we grow regular food like soy and corn. Wheat, soy, and corn are the three crops that are subsidized most heavily by the government. Mm-hmm. Those are turned into commodities of processed food. So we pay for it on the front end. Then those foods, 60% of our calories in America almost are cons- are those foods. People who consume the most of them are the sickest. So we get chronic disease. Then we use food stamps, $7 billion a year, which is an enormous amount of money for soda. Yeah, Junk food is an order of magnitude tenfold more than all the rest of the foods combined that are bought on food stamps, so processed food, junk food. And then we pay for Medicare Medicaid on the back end when people get sick from eating those foods. So we're triple paying, mm-hmm. and we're privatizing the profits to the food industry, and we're socializing the cost to the taxpayer, meaning we're paying three times for their profits and their junky food. And nobody really understands these connections uh, and how it all uh, roots together. So eating in a way that supports the regeneration of soil, that protects the animals, that actually makes animals part of soil husbandry yep. is key. I mean, even the guy who started Vegan Cafe, I mean, the Gratitude Cafe yeah, in Venice Gratitude, yeah. has like realized that the soil is the issue, yep. and you can't regenerate soil without animals as part of the ecosystem. It's huge. Regenerative agriculture is huge. So yeah. I, I'm going to move. We went from land and meat. We're going to go to the sea and fish. Okay. I just want to say one more thing about meat. Okay. So <laughs> the, the two things. One, people think it's bad for you and it causes disease. And the studies that show that are all population studies. They're food frequency questionnaires. They were done at a time when people thought meat was bad. So people that ate meat were not healthy. They weighed more. They smoked more. They drank more. They didn't sure. eat fruits and vegetables. <laughs> they, you know, they just were unhealthy. It's called the healthy user effect. The people who didn't eat meat cared about their health. Yep. It, didn't, it wasn't a cause and effect thing. And then studies that show meat eaters and vegetarians who shop at health food stores both have their risk of death reduced in half. Mm. So they're eating meat in the context of a healthy diet. The second thing is this whole cancer thing and bacon and processed meat. True, there is a signal in the data, and it's observational data, so it doesn't prove cause and effect, but there's a signal that you get a 20% increased risk in colon cancer if you eat processed, processed meat. meat yeah. But what does that actually show? It shows that if you eat four pieces of bacon a day your whole life, your risk goes up from 5 to 6% on the background of 5% risk to 6%. That's a 20% increase. So it's all how you spend the data, Sure. right? So I'm not gonna eat four pieces of bacon my whole life, every day. Well, you just don't even do it. Like the, the foundation of your diet too is plant heavy. Of course, you know, 50 right. 50 to 70% right. plants, and then right. the rest, phytonutrients. Right. You can kind of maybe do what right. you want if you have that yeah, good and my foundation. Favorite, my favorite study was uh, Stan Hazen looked at vegans and meat eaters and their gut microbiome and showing them when they ate meat, they had a bad microbiome. But the meat eaters, when, when um, you looked at when they forced vegans to eat meat, it's part of the study, I don't know how they got them to do that, their <laughs> microbiome was fine because they're eating meat in the context of a high-fiber, nutrient-rich, right. phytochemical-dense <laughs> diet that protects their microbiome. Right, right. So back, so we're going back to the sea. Okay, oceans. Fish. Oceans are a problem. Uh, we are acidifying the oceans, we're heating the oceans, we're polluting the oceans, and so, um, we're destroying huge natural fisheries by overfishing. We are factory farming fish in the same way we factory for animals, uh, and it's it's bad. Um, and there's a great website called cleanfish.org, which mm-hmm. looks at how do you how do you identify fish that you can eat that's safe for you, safe for the environment, it's not destroying fisheries, it's sustainably raised or harvested. That's important. Uh, so I, I encourage people to think about that. And the second thing is there are factory farm sorry farm raised fish that are okay. They're organic. They're, they have better practices. So be aware of that. And then, uh, of course, there's 
toxins in fish. Sure. So large fish is a problem. Never eat a river fish or lake fish in America. They're all polluted. Uh, What's ocean, an example of a river fish or a lake fish? Uh, you know, pike or, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big fisherman. So. Neither, neither am I. That's bass, why I'm asking. Bass, okay. pike, I don't know. Uh, but uh, and the oceans are full of mercury because of the coal emissions have gone into the uh, atmosphere. And they rain, it's called metal rain. It's like not acid rain. It's right. metal rain. It goes into the oceans, gets in the soil uh, underneath, and the uh, algae eat it. Then the little fish eat the algae. The big fish eat the slitter of fish and uses up the food chain. So tuna, swordfish, Chilean sea bass, halibut, uh, all those are super high in mercury. I would never eat those. And and I think you could eat smaller fish like so call the smash fish, which is wild salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel. Shrimp. Uh, Shrimp are good. Yeah, shellfish okay. is, is generally good. Yeah, Oyster is good. Yeah, it depends on how they're raised sure. and grown. If they're from like, you know, Vietnam, I'm not sure, but sure. <laughs> China. But, sure. Yeah. So we'll move over to what I'll call the fun stuff. So we've got gluten, uh-huh. sugar. Grains. Yeah, grains and sugar. sugar and then we'll, then we'll move over to beverages after okay, that. Okay, okay. So grains. Uh, grains can be part of a healthy diet. But a lot of caveats here. So first of all, in 8 million years of evolution, we've never consumed grains until the last 10,000 years or 12,000 years. Um, and the grains we consume now are very different than the grains that our ancestors consumed. And you look at the archaeological data, it's pretty interesting. The, when we switched from hunter-gatherers to grain consumption, our skeletons shrunk, we got weaker, our brains shrunk. It was fascinating. It allowed us to develop civilizations. And there's a lot of benefits to agriculture, mm-hmm. but... Um, the, the grains we're eating now are primarily hybridized wheat. It's the number one grain, and, and uh, other populations eat more rice, and it's usually white rice. And so you're eating starch, uh, mm-hmm. and starch turns into sugar. And we know that two tablespoons of table sugar raises your blood sugar less than two slices of whole wheat bread because of how the glycemic index works. So it's not a health food. <laughs> right. And I think that, that their glide, the, the new hybridized dwarf wheat has extra gliden proteins, which, because plants, you breed them, you add the genes together. It's not like humans, you get 23 from your mom and your dad, that's 46, yep. you get 90, 92 if you have 46 and 46. And the gliden proteins are much more inflammatory. It also has amylopectin A, which is super starch that raises your blood sugar. It's like a massive starch. And also they spray the, the plants with glyphosate at harvest, which actually is a roundup to, to exfoliate the plants to harvest them easier. But it leaves all this roundup on there, which is we now know is, is harmful. And then lastly, there's all the flowers preserved with calcium propionate, which is a preservative that is the same compound that's in short-chain fatty acids produced by bad gut bacteria. And then you end up with these neurotoxic short-chain fatty acids that affect the brain and animal models. This propionate causes ADD, autistic behavior in animals. It's pretty frightening. So, right. And that's maybe why kids are such a mess. So I don't think there's any reason to eat normal wheat. All right, so you can have heirloom wheat, like einkorn wheat, uh, heirloom grains, rye. Those are okay if you're not gluten-sensitive. Rye a little better, sourdough a little better. Yeah. But you know the problem is that uh, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's the world's leading expert in celiac, yes. said, Anybody, everybody who eats gluten gets some amount of leaky gut, which causes inflammation sure. in the body. And inflammation is the lead for every disease. So some people can tolerate some of it, um, I think, uh, but be smart about it. And then other grains that are weird grains are great to eat. Quinoa. Black rice, quinoa, amaranth, teff. You know, there's a lot of funny things you could eat. A wild rice is not even a grain. Um, I don't think they should be staples in people's diet. I think depending on your glycemic load, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we're told to uh, eat six to 11 servings of bread, rice, and pasta a day by the government in the food pyramid, mm-hmm. worst advice ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, if you look at the population, 70%, like I said, are overweight, half are diabetic. These people can't tolerate a lot of starch and grains. And, and so they probably want to eat less. If someone's an athlete exercising, good body metabolism, they can tolerate more starch. So before we move on to sugar, I actually forgot 
something. Beans. Beans. Beans are good for your heart. Why are you eating? So beans are okay. <laughs> no. You know, beans are Very not a, controversial at this desk. Yeah, beans are not a terrible <laughs> food. It's lectins or yes. those and that. I think, you know, um, even Gundry said to me, you can you can actually... Pressure cooker. Pressure cooker. Yeah. It'll take care of that. Um, they are great food. They're full of minerals. They're full of vitamins. They're full of resistant starch and fiber. They can be health, part of a healthy diet. Um, again, they're a new food to human species. The challenge is... If you want to get adequate protein, and this is really where sometimes this, the research is confusing for people, is how much protein do you need? So sure. the vegan community says, well, you don't need that much protein. But you look, there was a huge review of protein requirements by all the leading protein scientists in the world. They came up with the fact that, geez, we're telling people to eat 0.8 grams. Maybe that's the minimum amount. Maybe they need 1.6 grams per kilo, which is, for an average big guy, is 130 grams. For a woman, it's probably a little bit less as opposed to 50 grams. Well, to get that many grams of protein in beans, you need to eat eight cups. In broccoli, you need to eat, uh, I think, 80 cups of broccoli. So you can't really get, as you age, enough protein because you, you know the biggest disease of aging is muscle loss. Mm-hmm. It's called sarcopenia, and it leads to everything, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia. It's, it's a huge problem that nobody's paying attention to. And, and in order to synthesize muscle, you need adequate protein. You also need the right amino acid blend. So leucine is is the rate-limiting step amino acid for building muscle. That means if you don't have enough leucine, if you don't have enough leucine, you can't actually make protein. And most plant proteins are very low in leucine. Now, you can supplement with leucine. You can do all kinds of tricks. But, sure. but uh, as you age, you know, even the studies that show protein is bad show as you get older, it's good. So... Interesting. So what do you do? Do you eat beans? I do, but I... I you don't have like eight cups? No. I just have a half little, a cup got it. a few times a week, maybe. Like I, if they're there, I'll eat them. Sometimes it's lentil soup. Like I don't, it's not, I don't go out of my way to make beans and grains. Sure. I eat mostly vegetables, nuts and seeds, good fats, and some small amounts of grass-fed proteins or organic proteins in, and safe fish. So... Moving on to sugar, I don't know how much time we need to spend on this one. Otherwise, then we know it's terrible and toxic. You could spend like <laughs> I've written like about a dozen terrible. books on it. I but know yeah. <laughs> sugar is terrible. Yeah, uh, beverages. Well, people have no idea about sugar, though. <clears throat> well, Did you know that that your morning yogurt has more sugar per ounce than a can of soda? It depends which yogurt you get. Yeah, but yeah, but like Yoplait or Danny yeah. yogurt. These are these are things that people don't know. It's in everything. It's in salad dressing. It's hidden. So basically, there's a simple rule: if God made it, eat it. If man made it, leave it. Right? Did God make a Twinkie? No. Did no. God make an avocado? Yes. And the same thing with sugars. You know, it's not the sugar that you add to your food that's a problem, right? You don't add 15 teaspoons of sugar to your coffee, but you can easily have that in a soda. Sure. And the it's average everywhere. Kid, Agave, everything. It's, it just doesn't right. matter. And the average kid has double that. Those are things which we know is a real issue. And there's been some debate. Uh, I, I just, some of these movies came out and they're like, sugar and carbs have nothing to do with diabetes or weight gain. That carbs can't mm-hmm. be stored. This is just basic biochemistry and physiology. It's textbook. It's not like a debate. It's, this is not a debatable topic. Right. I mean, sugar does increase insulin. It leads to lipogenesis. It leads to fat storage. I mean, it's, 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 terrible. it's such a key physiological principle. It just amazes me that people can get on and say the opposite, that sugar and carbs have nothing to do with weight gain or diabetes. It's just a vehicle for fat that's really the problem. And I don't know how they come up with these things, but um, when you look at the literature, you just can't come to that conclusion. Yeah, it's terrible. I think most people, most sane people know sugar is yeah. terrible. So beverages. We could go with non-alcoholic beverages, and then we can get move I, over to the fun stuff. Well, you know, there's so many drinks. Coffee, out there. sports tea, drinks, energy kombucha, drinks, like coffee. You know, well, let's start with let's start with the no, because every every chapter in the book has <laughs> eat, here's what you can eat, and here's what you should avoid. 
because people don't know. Like if you're going to eat beverages, which one? If you're going to eat sugars, which one? If sure. you're going to have vegetables, which are the best? So I go through all that in the book. But the the, uh, the the beverage thing is pretty simple. You want to stay away from all these Sugar sugary drinks, drinks yep. monsters, energy yep. drinks, um, sports drinks, sweetened teas. I mean, you could have 70 grams of sugar, which is like it's two insane. Cokes in a coffee that you buy at Starbucks. Sure. <laughs> it's a, you know, mocha frappa, whatever, you know. Just get the coffee black. Right. And so then, then the question is what else? So water. What kind of water? Okay. Right. Because most water is contaminated. So filtered water, ideally, you might need to take minerals. Reverse osmosis is my favorite. Um, but th- that's important to drink clean, pure water, not from plastic bottles. Yep. <laughs> Second is, you know, green tea, coffee. Coffee is the biggest source of antioxidants in the American diet. That's not necessarily a good thing because it means they're not eating vegetables, right. <laughs> but it's not a terrible food. And if you don't have genes that make it so that you get anxiety, irritability, insomnia, sure. palpitations, it's probably okay. Um, and there's sort of mixed data on it, but I think it's fine if you tolerate it well. And I think uh, you know you can flavor your teas with herbs uh, and have cold herbal tea. You can put lemon in it. Where are you on matcha, which is all the rage these days? Matcha tea? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, okay. it's like it's like the. Um, it's like the Corvette or the the uh, Ferrari of of green teas. Basically, it'll it'll jack up your <laughs> system so high. And what about collagen? Everything. So collagen um, infused. Yeah. So stuff. bone broth and yep. collagen. These are these are things that are very reparative and healing, and I think are source of protein. Uh, I I think the data is still out on you know how sure. powerful they are, but I think it's it's certainly something that you can happily include in your diet. So what about the fun stuff? We move over to alcoholic beverages. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> an ounce of spirits equals five ounces of wine equals ten ounces of beer. And I think, you know, when you're eating a beer or drinking a beer, we used to call it a barley sandwich in Canada. <laughs> it, it actually is a very high in starch and carbs. Uh, and that's why you get the beer bellies and mm-hmm. guys get like grow breasts and lose all the hair on their body. <laughs> uh, and and uh, wine is okay. But again, uh, some people are just sulfites. Uh, it's a high source of arsenic because they, yep. if they're grown in California because the, the, the pressure treated lumber steaks. Um, it's, uh, it's high in sugar. Dry farm wine and, is great. Yeah, there are good wines, go. but I, I would say, you know, again, you know, you don't want to be drinking two glasses every night. You sure. Know? You know, and I think uh, spirits, one ounce, to, and they're, they're, you know, often better tolerated. They're, you know, some are even gluten-free, like tequila. Tequila. Let's still, okay, tequila. What's your tequila of choice? Tequila. Well, the ones that I can get, like if I can get is a 1942 Don Julio, but oh, yeah, but you can't always get that. It's pricey. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I like specialty tequilas I get in Mexico, but, you know, I think uh, I try to get the best one I can find and just have a little bit. Okay. that's I like that. And so what about other spirits? Like so tequila is uh, number one. Vodka, yeah. Chopin vodka, potato vodka is fine. Um, Tito's is the gluten-free one. Tito's and yeah. Chopin are both are yeah. gluten-free, yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big drinker, but I, you know, I, I think gin. I don't, it depends on whether you sure. have gluten sensitivity or not. Some of them like whiskey; and those are more more hard on your system. But right, the again, these are, these are recreational drugs; they're not staples. Sure, right? sure. Uh, so, what do you eat? Like, what do you eat today? Like, I know this today's morning, a crazy day. This morning, you, uh, I woke up and went to a um, little restaurant. I had uh, there's really dense gluten-free nut and seed bread. Uh, which had uh, avocado toast on it, so basically avocado toast with uh, with organic farm eggs and uh, fennel and kale and lemon. Oh, wow. and, uh, it was really good. What was it? Green juice at Le Pan Quotidian. Oh yeah, sure. Every, yeah. there's like a million of them. Yeah, I love that place. They're actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I ate for breakfast. 
And what's what's next for you? Like this this will be on the bestsellers list again, number eleven for you. What's what's next? Well, I, I want to turn this into a movement. I just think that that we really need to get a, have a food revolution where people understand how the food they eat connects to everything that matters, and not only their health, but the health of our economy, the health of our environment, the health of our climate, human rights issues. All of it's connected. Uh, and unless we even social justice issues, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I think people don't understand that poverty and violence are perpetuated by the food system. One, because poor and minorities are targeted by the food industry to eat more of their junk. And two, because we know from studies that, you know, if you remove that stuff, behavior changes. And prisons, they've done studies where when they change the diet to a healthy diet, 56% reduction in violent crime. When you wow. add supplements, it's 80% reduction in violent crime in the prisons. And I had a guy write me a letter saying, you know, Dr. Hyman, I, I'm in prison for murdering, and I realized that my behavior was all directly related to what I ate because when I changed my diet and followed your book, I became a different human being. Wow. And, and, and so I don't think these people understand the levels of, of social injustice, of racial, racism in food, and, and, and how all these things connect, and how our policies are so corrupt that drive and perpetuate the system. Why do we have confusing food labels that, you know, should be red, green, and yellow? Red is going to kill you. Yellow, eat with caution. Green, this is good for you. I mean, in Chile, they basically eliminated any cartoon characters from, from children's advertising. They put warning labels on the front of the box, literally like cigarettes. They put an 18% soda tax. They eliminated any... Formula advertising. They eliminated any junk food in schools. They also, uh, you know, had have really profound policies of eliminating advertising and marketing of any of these foods uh, at, to, on TV or radio and, and movie theaters. So they've had a massive effort, and that's because the president's a pediatrician and the head of the Senate is a is a doctor. Wow! <laughs> and that might change as the pressures move against them. Twenty twenty, Doctor Hyman. No, <laughs> no, but 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 I'm you writing, a, I'm, writing first, another, I'm writing another book about about uh, food policy, and I'm trying to put together a, a movement and a, basically a manifesto, so it would be a policy manual for the next president, who's who I, I know one of the guys who's running was very very interested in creating food as a platform. So even if he doesn't win, this the, I want these issues to become out there. I want people to connect the dots because people care about sure. this. They care about food. They care about their health. They care about these issues, and they don't understand these connections. I couldn't agree more. Dr. Mark Hyman, it's always a pleasure to have you. Everyone, got to pick up food. What the heck should I eat? Pick it up. Another another amazing book from Dr. Mark Hyman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Thanks.